The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the windup of his first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. Deep to right field. Way up there. They're going to wave him in. I don't believe it. My, oh, my. And look who's coming up. You have got to be kidding me. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Okay, play ball. Welcome into Payoff Pitch, Action Network's baseball betting podcast. We are presented by BetMGM. You can find all of the podcast picks by searching Payoff Pitch Podcast in the Action Network app. If you have not heard, we are with you every day during the baseball playoffs. A few exceptions on non-game days. Throughout this MLB postseason, two games on this Thursday. We have Mariners-Astros. And then Guardians-Yankees, both game twos. The home teams in front in the series, one game to none. Uh, Astros, of course, needed heroics to get uh, that 1-0 series lead. Brendan Glasheen, your host with Sean Zarillo and Anthony DeBundo, both Action Network senior baseball writers. They are looking forward to delivering some info on these uh, two games today and we'll also look ahead to tomorrow a little bit because Sean Zarillo that's a tease for you he likes something on the board that you want to get now looking at the lines over at BetMGM but first we will go through best bets for each of the game twos we'll start with the Mariners and Astros Sean they start at 3 30 eastern time just after 3 30 eastern looking forward to watching Luis Castillo make his playoff debut with the M's and of course the Astros they completely flipped uh, just watching the, li- the live line movement during the game the other day, you could have gotten a similar price to win the World Series, win the American League for the Astros and the Mariners. That changed very drastically thanks to the walk-off home run. But what are we looking at now for game two, M's and Strohs? Yeah, that Jordan Alvarez home run worth exactly 36% in terms of a series win probability between them losing game one or winning game one. I lean to the Mariners here in game two. I want plus 141 or better on their money line. Best price currently around the market is plus 140. So I need it to come up just a little bit further. We'll see if it gets there before game time. And I also lean to the under seven. I want a minus 110. I don't know if it'll get there before game time with the best price currently at minus 120. But I think this is a decent matchup, as good of a matchup as you could hope 
for both pitchers, for both of these teams, Luis Castillo facing a Houston offense, which was the best offense in baseball against lefties down the stretch, 46% better than league average after the deadline, but very close to league average against right-handed pitching. Uh, Houston top six against fastballs and changeups, 14th against sliders. And why that's important is Castillo has slowly decreased his changeup usage, not only during this season, but during his time with the Mariners. Through 14 starts with the Reds this year, used that changeup 26% of the time, closer to 30% in his three prior seasons. That dropped to 18% with the Mariners, and he reallocated that 8% usage all to fastballs. He's particularly stopped throwing it against same-sided hitters, right-handed hitters. Normally, you deploy a changeup against opposite-handed hitters. That dropped from around 20% to 15% this year, 20% last year, 15% this year, and then 9% in his five starts in September with the Mariners against right-handed hitters. So something to watch, but I think the fact that the Astros struggle against sliders, that's slider usage and fastball usage complementing each other is going to be how he continues to attack this Houston lineup. Framber Valdez has had a ton of success against these Mariners hitters. 475 OPS allowed in about 100 plate appearances against them. And again, the pitch mix just sort of matches up well with what the Mariners don't hit, which is sinkers. They're below average against sinkers and sliders. They are around average against curveballs, and that is his most commonly used pitch. So that is what they're going to have to tee off on. What I love about Fromber, just from a larger perspective, he does not allow the home run ball. Third lowest home run rate this season, continually below average because he either generates a ground ball at the highest rate among starting pitchers or a pop-up 9% of the time, meaning just 7% of his batted balls are fly balls to the outfield. And even at around a 12% rate of those going out of the park, he still has about a half of a home run allowed per nine innings. So I don't mind this matchup for Seattle. I think this should be a pitcher's duel. Should be relatively low scoring. Again, one plus 141 or better on their full game line. Just going to wait a little bit longer, closer to first pitch to see if it gets there. Yeah, as we record on this Thursday morning, BetMGM has the Mariners at plus 135. Zarella mentioned the total of seven. You can get the under at minus 120. Uh, he'd also like to wait on that as well. It's also Castillo's first start against the Astros this year. He made a handful of starts against the Yankees in the uh in august and september when he was acquired at the deadline but looking through the game logs has not faced houston yet so that's which is kind of nuts because they're in the same division and you'd think coming down the wire there that that would work out it just didn't so that should be fascinating to watch anthony debundo welcome back to the program the uh the phillies they are in a they're in a fight but we'll leave that to the side um what are you looking at for game two here with runners and astros yeah, Sean touched on a few things that I was going to mention about both loving both starters against these offenses. Mariners, a little bit better against righties than lefties. Astros, much better against lefties than righties. So you're getting the Astros in their worst split, the Mariners in their slightly worst split. Framber's just awesome. I mean, we've talked about him on this podcast a few times, I think, throughout the season. His ground ball rate being 60% higher or higher is dominant when you play behind one of the best defenses in the league Astros second best outs above average this season to major bonus because he does occasionally run into some command problems. And that's the one concern here is that uh, the Mariners don't chase a ton. So if he walks a bunch of guys, he could have some problems, but he gets so many ground balls and the Astros are so good defensively that they turn so many double plays off of that. Mariners have a bunch of guys in the middle of the order who are prone into, into grounding into double plays. Uh, and so that's a, a big red flag for the Mariners offense in this matchup. 
Framber started against the Mariners twice this year, 15 strikeouts, two walks, uh, dominant showing both outings. Uh, I like the under here. You mentioned Castillo as well, dominated the Blue Jays on Friday. Do expect him to have another solid outing. And I'm expecting both bullpens to the max. We're going to see only the top arms, Seawald, Munoz, all the top guys, Presley. So we with the off day yesterday and the off day tomorrow, both teams need this game, go all out. Do expect to see very little scoring after the fifth. And we will not be seeing Robbie Ray, which is perhaps the best run suppression in this series. I should also Sorry. mention Sorry, if there's Robbie. an early run, early couple runs, first two in, and a live under seven and a half would definitely be a live target for me as well. As Anthony mentioning the aggressive bullpen usage likely for both teams. Okay. Makes sense. Very good. Let's move on to guardians. Yankees game two. Yankees handled business in game one. Uh, Josh Donaldson almost had a home run, but it didn't, wasn't a home run. That was, that was weird. Uh, the Yankees bullpen shut the door. There were questions about their bullpen coming into that game. Uh, Garrett Cole out a home run early. And I thought all hell was going to break loose for him, but it didn't. Anywho, um, the off day and Anthony brought this up last week and it's, it's, it was a great point. The off day built in for the American league, maybe helped a Francona or a Boone to be a little more aggressive to go to the bullpen and use some arms. And as it turns out, no one was really overworked, if I remember correctly. So here we are after an off day, Yankees guardians, Yankees at home. They're the favorite Zerillo. You've, I mean, it's already out there. You've been on the Yankees and the price hasn't moved all that much that you still like it today. As we, as we sit here now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Definitely the full game line hasn't really moved at all. The first five line, though, has started to tick up about 10 cents, which does give me a little bit more confidence than if it had just stayed where it was. There is a macro risk for the Guardians in the series, and it just comes down to the power differential between these two teams. The Yankees doubled their home runs this season, exactly double the number of home runs. And since 2016, teams who out-homered their opponents in playoff games have a 163 and 34 record that is an 82.7% win rate also seven and four this postseason guardians rely on singles second in MLB and singles and base advancements because they're fourth in base running value the Yankees were the number one defensive team they steal hits and they prevent you from taking extra bases so it is difficult on paper to find ways that the guardians score runs in this series more specific to game three though the Guardians are going against the left-handed pitcher, and they were an above-average offense against right-handed pitching, 4% better than league average, 11th overall, but they were 16% below average against lefties, 27th overall, 29th in slugging percentage, 30th in isolated power, and in a vacuum, I would take Nestor Cortez over Shane Bieber. 2.7 expected ERA for Nestor, 3.5 for Bieber, Bieber's fastball velocity down three ticks this season relative to his Cy Young campaign in 2020. That shortened Cy Young season where I believe he made about 12 starts. As a result, he changes pitch mix. He changes plan of attack. He had a career low walk rate, roughly halved his walk rate relative to previous seasons, but he's in the zone much more now. 
And with lesser stuff being in the zone more, you're more likely to get hit and give up hard contact. He had a relatively high hard contact rate this season. He has a good defense behind him, which prevented a lot of that damage, which is why you see his expected ERA higher than his actual ERA. The Yankees aren't particularly aggressive, second lowest swing rate, and they do sell out for power. They have a bottom 10 contact percentage, but they are not going to chase pitches outside of the zone as much as the Rays did, and they do excel against either cutters or sliders. I forget which one. They do have a higher run value against one of those pitches. So Bieber, with two of his key pitches, the cutter and the slider, since he's pulled off of his curveball usage this year, they may have success against one of those pitches. Can't remember offhand which one it is, and the other one is below average. But I do like this matchup for the Yankees' offense, especially compared to how I viewed the Guardians' offense against Bieber. And I definitely think there's substantial value on the Yankees in both halves, particularly for the first five innings, though. I made that first five line minus 190, made the full game line closer to minus 160. I know I said I had different price targets yesterday. I've actually moved some things around and increased these further. So the Yankees' first five up to minus 175 and the full game line up to minus 146. Probably my two favorite bets this postseason, particularly that first five line, though. There's a very substantial edge there at around minus 140. It's still close to a 7 8% edge. So about as big of a projection edge as I will find throughout the season, throughout the postseason. Definitely love the Yankees here in the first five innings. Anthony, what do you like for Yankees-Guardians game two? I think this is kind of similar to game one in that the starting pitcher for the Yankees' biggest flaw has been the long ball. And yep. the Guardians are not able to take advantage of that. They did get one, Stephen Kwan, short porch merchant. I wonder how many home runs he'd hit if he played a full season at Yankee Stadium. Short I think we joked about merchant. that. I love that. <laughs> but, so good. but uh, you know, Cortez in the past, he's fixed it a little bit this year, but the projections suggest that he's going to have home run problems in the long run. And he gave up 1.35 homers per nine last year. He's, he's lowered that this year, but still the Guardians are the one lineup maybe in all the baseball that I would suggest is not going to take advantage of that. Sean mentioned it 30th in isolated power, 29th in slugging against lefties, 27th way to runs created plus. I mean, there's nothing else to say. This is a terrible offense. Not even like, not just terrible for the playoffs, just terrible. Uh, and Shane Bieber, you look at the pitching matchup here, pitching plus has Shane Bieber as a 99.3. The hundred is considered average. His stuff plus is 90. That's a clear drop off from years past. That's why his strikeout rate is 8% lower this year than it was last year. I know Bieber has played in front of a great defense, similar to Cal Quantro. He's overformed his metrics because of it. The Guardians seem to just always know how to get their pitchers to do this. Uh, so credit to them as an org, but just like we made money fading Quantro on the first game, we're going to hopefully make money fading Bieber in the second game. Nestor Cortez, 104 pitching plus, so a little bit better. His command numbers are actually better than Bieber's. And his stuff plus is a little bit higher, still below average, but 94 stuff plus for Cortez. So the better starting pitcher, the better lineup at home. I like the Yankees minus 135s are out there, like minus 140 as well. Should say the Yankees, just to clarify, second against sliders, 22nd against cutters, but also top five against fastballs. So I think overall that matches it up pretty well against Bieber. And Cortez is great at inducing weak contact with with the cutter that he throws. Uh, the Guardians will try to leg out some infield singles probably, but again, Yankees top five defense in baseball by any metric you look at, top one by DRS. So I like the Yankees. Yeah, and in terms of how I modeled out, they're basically neck and neck with the Cardinals. Those are the top two defensive teams for me. I can't help but notice when you talk about defense too, how just how good Rizzo is. I mean, that pick in the dirt in the ninth inning the other night, just an example of a big spot. You think nothing of it. Again, you look at the box score, it's just a classic 6-3 put out, but it, 
Much yeah, better but- than Reese Hoskins at first. <laughs> not, not salty though. No, not at all. You sound fine. Before we wrap up the show on this Thursday, we want to look ahead to Friday because Sean Zarillo likes a line that he sees for Friday's slate. And to kind of set you up here, Zarillo, I think it has something to do with the Padres and how their pitching sets up for a game three at home, now in a 1-1 series. This is a big reason why the Dodgers had some edges in these first two games they could set their rotation the way they would want. And for the Padres, when you come off a weekend where you need the three games to beat the Mets, you couldn't throw the arms that you wanted. So you're taking advantage of something now. Why don't you let us know? Yeah, I think I actually view both Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove as better pitchers on paper than you, Darvish. Now, it really comes down to me with the splits, though. The Dodgers had the top-ranked offense against right-handed pitching for the season. They were second behind the Mets in the second half. But against lefties, they were much closer to league average. 113 for the season and 104 after the deadline. So just 4% above league average after the trade deadline for this Dodgers offense against lefties. Tony Gonsolin making the start here in game three has thrown two innings since August 23rd, and that was 10 days ago. So maybe get some rust with Gonsolin early. Probably going to use somebody like Tyler Anderson, Dustin May, Andrew Heaney in behind him to fill out those middle innings before turning the game over to their bullpen. So the Dodgers are going to have to continue to mix and match. I know they have some top quality arms, but as we've seen in the past, when pitchers sort of have these undefined roles, somebody eventually comes in and implodes because we are creatures of habit as human beings. And you like to be able to know what you're getting yourself into Phillips the other day who came in for the Dodgers looked very shaky. The Dodgers, other relievers looked much better. I believe Gratterall blew up last night. There's always somebody who's going to come into the game for the Dodgers who seems to not be expecting to have that, that moment. And by and large, somebody is likely more likely to fail in that type of situation. But the Padres made them slight favorites for the first five innings around minus 108. So I like that down to even money. And in terms of the full game line, basically have this as a coin flip. So you can bet their full game line down to plus 108 or better. Okay, looking at the action app, all the money right now coming in on the Padres, 92% of the money, 62% of the bets. That's coming in now, and I would imagine, based on what you just discussed, that could change. Am I correct in saying that Gonsolin is one of the luckier pitchers this year, too, just based on luck metrics as well? I feel like we talked about that all summer. This guy's record is insane, but he's just one of the lucky dudes out there. Yeah, and he also hit his career high in innings fairly early in the season, too, and then got injured in the second half, so that's Not a great sign either. His velocity did hold up ultimately, but he had an 84% strand rate. His career mark for that is an 81%, but league average is closer to about 72%. And then his batting average on balls in play was 207. League average for that closer to about plus or 270. His career average at 223. So he does seem like a guy who is able to defy those metrics in general, but those are two categories that almost always regress towards league average eventually. So you can only be so skilled in those areas relative to league average. It should eventually fall back to earth. Okay. I am uh, looking forward to seeing how this might shift in tomorrow's episode. We will be back tomorrow. Payoff pitch is with you every weekday during the MLB postseason. So we will come back with you tomorrow. We'll find out the pitching matchup uh, with, with Nola uh, Anthony taking on, we don't know yet for, for the Braves who they're going to start tomorrow. 
It looks like big game. Charlie Morton's going to get the start. Charlie Morton. Not sure yet. Okay. It could be Spencer Strider. Okay, so no line right now on BetMGM, but uh, we will preview Braves Phillies game three in Philadelphia. Someone on this episode might be attending and might not be available. So that's going on. So we'll look forward to that. And then, of course, Dodgers Padres. That is at 8.30 Eastern uh, tomorrow night. So we'll be back tomorrow for payoff pitch to get you set for those two games. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. And like I said, we're with you all October. So looking forward to it. Thanks to Anthony DeBundo for subbing in last minute. Sean Zarillo. Brendan Glasheen, that'll do it for this episode of Payoff Pitch. We are presented by BetMGM. Don't forget to follow these picks as well as the show's picks by searching Payoff Pitch Podcast in the Action Network app. See you tomorrow. Have fun tonight with the game. Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave.